This is the Sibling Library Podcast. You will know when to start listening when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. Welcome to Sibling Library, the podcast where we read, share, and repeat, and as Katie would then add, and then do it all over again. I'm, Ma- <laughs> I'm Megan. I'm Julia. And I'm Katie. Okay. Um, so we're going to start off with an icebreaker. And since this is our October kind of spooky episode, we're going to talk about something that, uh, you know, can't really happen this year, which is trick-or-treating. So we're going to talk, well, I mean, I guess we can still dress up for Halloween. I just don't know what trick-or-treating is going to look like. So the question is, have you dressed up as any literary characters for Halloween? And if you had an unlimited budget, what literary character would you want to dress up as if you could? And this time I had an idea. I didn't bring my equity sticks like we talked about last week, but we're going to go alphabetically. Okay, so we're starting with you have I ever dressed yes Yes. have I ever dressed up (laughs) as a literary character of course I have yes so tell us about your your favorites the top ones I have two favorites the first one is the tin man which hopefully Megan didn't pick because she also dressed up as the tin man I believe we wore the exact same outfit (laughs) I'm pretty sure um because it was that good we did a family group so i believe the first time we did it when i was a tin man katie you were dorothy Mm -hmm. and then the second time when megan was a tin man i was dorothy but the whole family dressed up and it's pretty cute maybe i'll find a picture of it and post it on our instagram but my second favorite costume is arthur the children's book character created by mark brown it's a super simple costume to put together i was a little disappointed because he is getting older. Like, he just celebrated his 24th anniversary of the show being on PBS. And the kids don't necessarily know who Arthur is. I know. I'm like, oh, Yeah. And I just I just heard Mark Brown just announced that he's writing his last Arthur book. What? I believe it's, yeah, I believe it's coming out next year. So that's kind of a big deal. That is a big deal. That's like your whole life. You've been watching love that show it. like your whole life. I remember I was so happy one day I stayed home sick from school and PBS had an all-day Arthur marathon on. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I needed. (laughs) Yep. That's what the doctor ordered. Those are my two favorites. Are we going right into Dream or are we all sharing our favorites first? share our favorites. But I have a comment about your Arthur costume because I, I actually borrowed that one last year and wore it to school and none of my students knew who I was. They were all like, oh, man. Oh, so cute. You're a nerdy mouse. I was like, (laughs) oh, well, no, not quite. I'm Arthur. And then as soon as I said that, they're like, oh, oh, and just (laughs) walked away. Like, I don't know who you are. (laughs) Go ahead, Katie. You were down with your comment, Megan? Yes. Um, So for me, I have on the top of my list was right there with uh, what Julia had mentioned because um, the Wizard of Oz for me was my very first movie that I watched and I watched it over and over again it was the only thing we had on VHS when I was a kid so I um, 
kind of forced that that like had to be a family costume like <laughs> for years to come because I mm-hmm. I watched it so much to the point that I introduced myself as Dorothy Gale to people um <laughs> so that was I don't even remember wearing the costume but I know that was one of my very first costumes that I ever wore as a little kid was Dorothy Gale and as Julie said she dressed up as um the Tin Man and then years later Julia when you dressed up as Dorothy Gale and then Megan was the Tin Man which was a genius costume my mom made it out of a a paper shopping bag like a grocery Mm -hmm. bag and you turn it upside Mm -hmm. down you cut a you cut a hole for the the little toddler's head um which comes up through it and she'd spray painted it the whole thing silver so it was this very it looked very metallic and she drew on with sharpie you know like a seam down the middle with buttons and then like a red heart um, and then the hat was also genius. And this is like, this is costuming on a budget, guys. This was like genius and it looked great. The hat was a metal funnel turned upside down and she just attached some elastic to it. Mm-hmm. So it was like perfect. It's the perfect little costume for a toddler. Um, so I never got to wear that one, but it, wear that one, but it was, um, it's definitely one of my favorites. And that second round when we did the, um, the, Wizard of Oz again um, I actually dressed up as the Scarecrow that time so I like that one a lot you almost too. yeah you almost suffocated that oh, night I'm pretty it sure it was so worth it it was so <laughs> worth it <laughs> it was fun I think that your um, mom and dad also dressed up too mom was the witch right did dad yes did, was dad the lion did he dress up I can't remember he must have been the lion yeah. he yeah he dressed up as something I don't remember Never we'll mind. find we'll find the picture i'll, I'll find, yeah, the picture. We'll find the picture i can't remember it had to be the lion though that what else would it would it have been beyond yeah. that the other two that i had mentioned this one was actually not a halloween costume but it was another family costume um that we dressed up for uh one of our first disney runs um when we did the we did a 5k down in anaheim um at disneyland and we did a group costume megan you weren't part of this because you weren't into Mm -hmm. the the Disney runs at this time but um, we did a group costume where we um, our our group got together and dressed up as uh, the Alice in Wonderland characters and Julia you were Alice you yeah you committed (sighs) to that one I was gonna say like (laughs) even though it was not Halloween I'm claiming it here because it was yeah it was okay so this was like a race in 90 to 100 degree heat in in tool a blazer and white gloves (laughs) to give you credit i think that was like the hottest the hottest race disney race we did yeah like 5k (laughs) we were sweating before we started yeah so just to clarify katie were you the white rabbit oh i didn't say i was the sorry i was the mad hatter it was uncomfortable but like you said we were committed to it and julia made these wonderful little hair barrettes for everybody i still have mine so i didn't wear a hat but she made a, a little foam like top hat that looked like the the Mad Hatter's top hat that I just kind of wore in my hair. My goodness, I've got a lot of pictures that we can post for this yeah. episode. Isn't that exciting? Follow us at Sibling Library Pod on Instagram. Yeah. So I have one other that um, is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I, I really, um, we talk a lot of, I mean, we talk about reading. So um, to me, that includes comic books and graphic novels. Yeah, and, um, 100% includes yeah. that. So a couple of years ago, I dressed up as Jessica Jones. Um, and I think the same mm-hmm. year, Julia, you dressed up as 
Rocket as Rocket, right? Which is also a comic book mm. character. So there's yep. another picture that you can post of the two of us mm-hmm. at our comic yeah, book. That club. one. It, how more literary could yeah. you get? Mm-hmm. I know that was that year. I did get recognized by all the kids, cut only because I had a baby Groot on my shoulder. <laughs> you also had a tail. You had a raccoon tail and raccoon hat. Yes, that's true. No, you you nailed mm-hmm. that one. All right, those are mine. Meg. Okay. Um, I you guys like dug deep into the the past for years I couldn't think past a couple years ago (laughs) I know I know what you're gonna say yeah so um my first year teaching I want I really wanted to kind of set the trend of um dressing up each year as a different literary character you know as an English teacher um my favorite one that I've made so far was uh Greg Hefley from Diary of a Wimpy Kid who we talked about last episode (laughs) Yeah, like, all my kids recognized me and they they loved it. So I essentially just took um the thick kind of poster board that's almost like foam, like the really thick one. And Julia helped me with this. She drew just an outline of Greg's head, and we cut that out super sized. And I held like put it taped a stick to the back of it, and just held that in front of my face basically. And I took a white t shirt and black electrical tape to kind of outline a stick figure body so that's pretty genius yeah and it's super comfortable so <laughs> yeah, yeah. That. most of our halloween costumes tend to be more on the comfortable side yeah. <laughs> especially For now sure. yeah we've never been the extravagant players costume wearers no. yeah goodness but if we were right could uh dress up as anyone what a literary segue. i know right Julia, if you had an unlimited budget, who would you want to dress up as? When I put my answer together, I forgot about the unlimited budget, (laughs) but I'm going to keep my answer anyway. Mm -hmm. And this is, like Katie said, um, comics are definitely part of the literary Mm -hmm. world. In 1937, three Disney characters were introduced in the Donald Duck comic books that hadn't made their way into any animation yet. Can you guess who they are? Huey, well, it can't be Huey, Dewey, and Louie. It can't be. Wait. It is. <laughs> I thought you said into, in what year? 1937. 1937. Oh, okay. I, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what year did you think I 1997. Said? And so I knew they were around no, no. before then. So in 1937, Huey, Dewey, and Louie became a thing. And they got really popular obviously so they were introduced into the animation as part of um, Donald Duck's family and I have always wanted the three of us to dress up as Huey, Dewey, and Louie from the trick-or-treat short because their costumes are so stinking cute <laughs> one's a little devil one's a little ghost with a jack-o'-lantern head and who, one's a witch who would be, They're so who, cute. Would be who jinx I think Katie would be the devil I'd be the ghost and Megan would be the cute. witch I'm down Plus, mom could dress up as Witch Hazel, <gasps> which would be hilarious. And dad could be Donald. And dad could be Donald. Oh, yep. So we've got Very the whole nice. family. Yep. Mm-hmm. That has to happen someday. I like it. Yeah. All right, Katie, your turn. <laughs> so for me, I am staying in the, the comics realm as well. Um, I have a um, an ongoing uh, comic series that I am subscribed to, and it's just it's one of my absolute favorites. It's called Monstrous. Um, it's hard to do a synopsis of it and it's still running currently and right now is actually really get really great time to get caught up on it if anyone is interested because there's it's uh, kind of in between arcs 
and they're about to um, put out a couple of short stories that give some background information on some of the characters. Um, but it's basically, it's a, it's beautifully drawn. Um, it's described as, and this is actually perfect description, steampunk meets kaiju. Um, and I would dress up as the main character from that. Her name is uh, Maika. And she's just this badass warrior um, who is, um, I don't know if possessed is the right word, but her, uh, she kind of, her body has been kind of invaded by this really old um, deity. And it comes out of her like these really flowing tentacles uh, when it wants to, basically when it wants to feed. And it kind of forces her to um, kind of suck the life force out of people and, and eat people. It, it's it's dark and it's, um, again, beautifully drawn and really complex and it's really high fantasy. Um, and I just, I love the, I love the book. I love the way it's drawn. I love um, the, her character in particular. Um, so that's who I would dress up as. Nice. Mine is also a group costume. And I'm kind of cheating a little bit here because it didn't have a book until a couple years ago, but it now has a book, so it counts. Um, I would want the three of us to be the Sanderson sisters <laughs> yes. from Hocus Pocus. I, I almost, yeah, I almost picked that one. That's so who would be who? Well, that's the thing is, I mean, the best costume is obviously Winifred. So <laughs> I would kind of want to be Winifred, but, but if we were yeah. to go... I don't know, by age, is it Winifred, Mary, and then Sarah? Mm -hmm. So I guess Katie would be Winifred, Julia would be Mary, and I would be Sarah. They're all great costumes. Yeah, they would. I saw something on... Marion would have to carry a a vacuum. Just would have to. Yes. Aw, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I saw, I don't remember if it was Facebook or Instagram, but it was a meme of, like, the, as... As you go along as a like a girl, you the stage of your life like kind of determines who which Winifred or which Sanderson sister you want to be. And you start off thinking you're Sarah because she's pretty and happy go lucky, and then you turn into Mary or no, yeah, then you turn into Mary because all you do is binge watch TV and yell, and then you turn into <laughs> Winifred because she's the HBIC, which head witch in charge. So I thought that was kind of funny. Very apropos. Yeah. I had I yeah. had a thought for the costumes. Instead of me carrying a vacuum around, we turn a Segway. <gasps> oh, that's okay. To look oh, like nice. a vacuum. The, the, and then your guys' yeah. brooms. Yeah, we have unlimited. That's true. Perfect. Yeah. So the main thing we're going to talk about today is what books have ever scared us. So Julia, what's your first one? I only picked one because I think it's pretty much the only one I need to talk (laughs) about. It is called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Perfect. By Alvin Schwartz. Katie, do you remember these books? I absolutely remember these books. There's a series of three of them and we never owned them. But our friend Kira did, and we would quite literally scare ourselves silly (laughs) because Katie and Kira at the time were in a kid's 
acting group and we're both very dramatic. <laughs> so you went all out reading these stories and I was just like <laughs> <laughs> Um but to go along with the stories, um the drawings by Stephen Gamel are just so creepy. I don't even know how to describe his style of art. Like, it's not super detailed. It's kind of like, do you know how, like, the backgrounds in Bambi are kind of like, they're they're just not really in focus. Like, there's, there's detail, but it's, like, mm-hmm. really soft. So the things that you can identify in the pictures just really stand mm-hmm. out. Oh, my God. There's just some real that's, creepy that's stuff. such a an important part of anything that's meant to be scary is some things are just left a little bit fuzzy, whether it be, you know, if you're watching mm-hmm. a scary movie or if you're, if you're reading a, a scary book, like you, you have to leave a certain amount of it to the, the, imagination. the, the imagination of the person who's experiencing the content. Um, and I, I think that probably right. was done very purposefully for that reason, because, you know, you think about, you think about oh, scary sure. movies where, there's all this suspense because there's signs. Yeah. Like signs exactly where there's, you know, up, up until you see the the monster or whatever it is that's causing the fear, there's all the suspense and there's so much going on through your brain that it could be that once you see it, it's kind of like, Oh, that's not as bad as I thought. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But also I watched a documentary that's, if you're um, an Amazon Prime member, it's available for free on Prime Video, um, but it's called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, I know they just made a movie about it that is around as well, but it's not for free as far as I could find. Um, but Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, they just kind of went through the history of the book. And um, because we just finished Banned Book Week, um, this book has been challenged and banned by lots of different school districts, which I mean, I can kind of understand because it is pretty scary, but like, <laughs> it you know what's cool about it? It's so in the library, it is shelved in the folklore section, so it's in the nonfiction. And Alvin Schwartz, like, did his research on like just world folklore and that's what this his stories are based on and in he's got like history about all the different places of the world that these stories were influenced by so it's got really good information in there too it's not just like scary stories just for st- scary stories sake like there you can learn from this book too I'm really interested which is really in cool that. I don't remember that and, part of the book maybe we didn't read that part I don't think we got I'm sure past we didn't. the first or um, second story anytime that we tried to actually read that yeah. book. So it's there's it's a three volume series, um, scary stories to tell in the dark, um, then like more scary stories to tell in the dark, and then like even scarier stories. I don't know, um, but yeah. So it's three. It's a three book series, and each one of them has been banned and challenged at school libraries public libraries do you know what it was Um, about the books that that banned them specifically in certain places 
just the the illustrations and some of the stories can be pretty violent and graphic and in the documentary they actually said that alvin schwartz actually got a kick out of his books being banned because it always like made a upsurge (laughs) in sales which makes sense um and these books actually came out like right before the goosebumps series started so kids were it was just a spooky time (laughs) do you have any do you remember like an example of just a synopsis of any of the folk tales that were in them like one that you remember scaring you the most well, the one I remember the most, and I think is the one that we kind of told the most, and we didn't own these books, and I just got it from Amazon, but mm-hmm. I didn't read it yet. Um, but Katie, do you remember the one with the no. hook and the two, the two, the couple at I like don't. Lover's Lane? I remember that story in general. I don't think I ever read it in a book, though, but I think that was like a common, you know, ghost story that you tell for, at summer yeah. parties. Yeah, I'm fairly certain it's in this book, and then just like they get scared and drive away. Yeah, it's yeah, called. Yeah, because the they hook. think they're being stalked by a guy with a hook for a hand, and right. Yeah, and like, and then they they never see him, but then when they go to drive home, they find the hook yeah, on like the door handle. The door. <laughs> like yeah. I'm getting goosebumps <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> um, yeah, but those books scared the bejesus out of me. Um, and also (laughs) what's cool about the illustrations with as, as creepy as they are, um, a lot of them, if they have eyes, they're like looking directly at you. So like these books are like breaking the fourth wall as well, which just makes them all the more Mm -hmm. terrifying because you're like, oh my gosh, this could actually happen. Like this thing is going to crawl out of the book. I am going to be murdered (laughs) in my sleep. Oh, jeez. I'm glad we're recording this episode yeah. in the daytime. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're buses. Um, yeah, but they, and they actually, uh, they re-released the books um, a while after they were first released with different illustrations, and there was just a huge uproar. They were like, No! <laughs> These are awful. Bring back Stephen Cabell's <laughs> artwork. Um, but yeah, I just think it's super cool because it's really researched and there's a lot of source material. So it could get kids interested in different cultures or just folklore in general, yeah. which is really cool because that's like a big way how different cultures share their stories and experiences. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I brought. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Yeah, Yeah, that is a good one. I didn't realize it had all of that um, additional source material in them because I think as kids that all we were interested in was scaring the pants off of each other because that was fun. So now I'm interested to go back and and actually look at that again. Would you read it again or do you think it would still be too scary? Oh, Oh, you did? No, I bought it. I will borrow it from you when you're done. (laughs) Yeah, so I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got the full, and I made sure it had Stephen Gamel's drawings. They re-released it because mm-hmm. they made a movie about it, which I haven't seen the movie yet, but I'm yes. also interested in that. But I've got the, it's like a compendium. It's got all three in there, and it's got the original right, illustrations. I will not be reading yeah. them. <laughs> we didn't even need to ask. <laughs> okay. So, um, 
in our first episode, I talked about Pet Cemetery and um, how I got introduced to Stephen King. So that that one definitely stands out in my mind as one that um, I don't to this day. I don't really remember. Julia, you you've mentioned that I got you to sleep with me on multiple occasions because I I probably was scared by it. <laughs> it just doesn't I don't register it in my brain as as something I remember being super scared by. Um, but that did lead me down the path mm-hmm. of. Um, reading a lot more Stephen King over, you know, the course of my, um, not childhood, but I got kind of back into him um, in young adulthood. Um, and the one that is my favorite of his is called Bag of Bones. Um, and it's about a novelist named Mike Noonan, whose uh, pregnant wife dies really suddenly. Um, and once that happens, he's he experiences this multiple years long um, writer's block. So he decides to try to find, a, you know, get a change of scene um, and see if that help that will help him. And he moves into a vacation home um, on a place called Dark Score Lake. I'm not sure if it's a real place or not, um, but the home is some for some reason has a name. You know, like all old houses have a name. It's it's called Sarah's Sarah laughs. Um, and when he's there, his uh, his wife's ghost starts to visit him. Um, and starts giving him inspiration for for writing a, a, another novel. And he starts to realize as this happens that she's actually helping him to um, find the answer and solve, solve the mystery of a murder of a woman named Sarah Tidwell, who is a blues singer who also haunts the house. So it's a very, you know, ghost type of driven story. And um, I found that super spooky uh, in, in ways that... Um, some of his other books, although they're disturbing, they're not spooky in that way. So this one kind of stayed in my, in my mind as, um, as something that's super spooky. There's some other plot points that are involved as well. Um, like most Stephen King books, there's lots of different things happening at once and they all kind of converge on each other at the end. Um, but that's kind of the main thread of it that, that I remember being super spooky. So I recommend that one. If you're, if you're looking for a good scare bag of bones by Stephen King. Um, in addition to that, I remember um, being really scared. There's a book called uh, Dark Places by Gillian Flynn or Gillian Flynn, Gillian Flynn, um, who is the also the author of Gone Girl is probably mm-hmm. her, her, her most famous um, novel. And Dark Places, the, the title does that justice. It's very dark. Yeah. Um, and it's, have you guys <laughs> both read it? I have, yeah. Oh, wow. I want to say I, I did. I think I listened to it. Yeah, I think I listened I think to I did. it on, on Audible. Go ahead, Julia. I, yeah. Yeah, I listened to it as well. Sometimes listening to books makes it way scarier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say about this one. I I don't have the experience of, of reading it in a book, but I, I do remember listening to it and it had me so on edge. I was listening and most of the time I would listen to it in my car while I was driving. If I was driving at night, I would be just convinced that there was someone in the back seat about to attack me. Oh, it was, I hate that feeling. Yeah, it was <laughs> it, it, it's that like kind of creep up the back of your spine type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um I always so. have to turn the car light on when I'm having that feeling. <laughs> that oh makes it God. better. <laughs> I, it didn't even occur to me to do that. <laughs> Do you have like a little synopsis of dark objects or dark dark places? places? Because I actually have sharp objects on my list and I'm, 
I read Gone Girl, Dark Dark Places, and Sharp Objects like in succession. I I sometimes go through phases where I feel like getting spooked. Yeah, um, I'm surprised that you actually read those. Yeah, Dark Places and Sharp Objects are kind of running together for yeah. me. Yeah, so Dark Places is the one um, where it, it centers around, I, f- I forget the name of the uh, the main character, but she is, um, she it kind of goes back and forth between flashback and, and present day. Um, she was the sole survivor of a massacre. Her whole family was killed, um, and she wound up... Um, basically turning her brother in for for killing her mother and I think two sister two younger sisters um, I think I remember this one now yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes back and forth between um, you know what led up to that happening in her childhood and um, what you know kind of what her life is now because um, she had uh, she kind of got thrown into the limelight um, because it was a it was a you know, a sensational story that people were fascinated by because Mm -hmm. people are weird like that. (laughs) Um, And so she had all, because she was the only um, surviving um, child, she basically was orphaned by this horrific thing that happened. And so all these people decided to contribute a bunch of money to her. um, And she kind of lived off of that um, to a certain point. And then the point in the story where you kind of meet up with her in adulthood, all of that money has run out. So now she's, she's kind of trying to, she's trying to find out what actually happened because she has doubts about it being her brother that did it. Um, even though she basically turned him in as a child. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it just gets, and it's a, it's an exploration into, um, which I don't know about this at all. I just kind of went look, went back and looked at the synopsis, but apparently in the eighties, there was some sort of satanic cult phenomenon that was going on in rural, rural America. Um, mm-hmm. And there was just, you know, a lot of people, or I, I don't know, there are perceived to be a lot of um, young people who were joining satanic cults and doing things associated with that. So um, those are kind of some of the themes within the book and, and um, yeah, just really suspenseful and um, creepy, and yeah, definitely if you're if you look are looking for a good scare, that's a good one. Particularly if you want to listen to it. Um, so that's that's another one. Um, the third one that I that I have here um, is kind of following the the thread of banned books that you were talking about, Julia's "Flowers in the Attic" by V.C. Andrews. Have either of you read any V.C. Andrews? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I read this around the same time that I read Pet Cemetery. I think not long oh after my it. Gosh. I know, I know. I, well, I, I, I where were, where did you even get these books? I have no idea where I, I want to. I think I got it from the library. Actually, this one, Pet Cemetery, okay. we had at the house, but I think I got Flowers in the Attic from the library. I don't remember what caused me to pick it up, but I remember it being super disturbing. <laughs> Do you guys know mm-hmm. what what it's about? No. Yeah, yeah, I too. So I don't. It was banned, um, you know, at multiple times in multiple places because it has to do with um, these. Uh, so four children, um, older brother and sister, and then there's a set of twins. I think who were toddlers at the time that the story begins, who basically were like locked away in an attic um, for the purposes, and I don't remember why exactly, but. For some reason, it was to um, it had to do something to do with protecting the family fortune. 
Um, I, it had it probably had to do with some sort of inheritance that they were entitled to and the adults didn't want them to get it is, is mm. would be my guess. I don't remember exactly, but basically their grandmother locked them away in the attic of this house and, you know, didn't feed them properly. They were just, they were, you know, they couldn't get out. Um, they were terrified of her. Um, and part, and the reason it was banned is it has to do with that, those, um, subjects of child abuse. And also there is, um, ancestral behavior that winds up happening in the book Mm. um so that's 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 why it was banned um specifically in in different places but it it was um you know i I definitely read it too young (laughs) um (laughs) it it stuck with me and it was i think it's it's the first book i ever remember like it made me it totally made me just cry um i i hadn't experienced a book before where I, i mean Pet Cemetery. I think I expected it because I knew it was, it was a, you know, a horror book, um, in terms of death happening. But it was just like one of the characters winds up dying, and it just completely caught me off guard, and I just was like in tears, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. totally crying. So it, it, I was fully invested in it, and it was, you know, in many ways, just for what it's about, super disturbing. And I was looking it up, um, kind of prepping for. Uh, for our, our conversation and um, there's some controversy around whether or not it's based on a true story. Um, VC Andrews says that it's, it's based on uh, like loosely based on a, an, account, um, an account that she had heard of um, from someone that, that told her that he had experienced that with his siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think, I, I think she kind of took that as an idea and ran with it and then created the story from there. But based on what she says, it's, it's, it is based on something that truly happened. So hmm. makes it even more disturbing. Yeah. Um, the other two that I have, I, I kind of cheated a little bit because I have not read either of them, but I want to read them both. Um, and they, I, I was super scared by the, um, the television shows that were adapted from them. So one of them is The Handmaid's Tale, um, which is, scary not so much in a spooky way but in a terrifying like holy crap this type of stuff has happened in the world before and if we're not careful we could get to that place again um so it's super disturbing in that way and then the other one um that is really good for you know this time of year around halloween is called is the the haunting of hill house which is a netflix handmaid's tale is hulu and um haunting of hill house is on netflix and that's funny you bring that up i just watched (laughs) last night on demand from tcm the haunting which is based on the haunting at hill house yeah there's and i watched a novel so yeah and i watched it because when they were making the designs for the haunted mansion like the inside of the ride the imagineers watched like a bunch of different horror movies but they based a lot of the design of you know that the corridor of doors a lot of that looks like a lot of the sets of the the haunting yeah i was inspired by i watched the the netflix series i think a couple it came out a couple years ago and um it just yeah don't watch it at night if you get scared easily um it even even watching some of it in the daytime it kind of stuck with me throughout the day and then it would be tough to fall asleep but I was I couldn't stop watching it because it was just so well done and it's such a beautiful story but it's so scary (laughs) 
So, um, yeah, I, I kind of, I kind of want to want to explore the novel and see what that's about because the, just the story is, is really, really, um, interesting. And I, I think just a, a great, a great concept. So, um, I added those in there because the, the television shows definitely scared me and I, I would like to read the original content that they came from. So that is what I have. Nice. Okay, so my turn. I'll briefly start with Sharp Objects, also by Julian Flynn. I just remember, like I said, I read those three books in succession, Gone Girl, Dark Places, and Sharp Objects. And I remember all of them are twisted, but I remember Sharp Objects just being the most twisted like more than gone girl in dark places that's how i felt mm. it was yeah you okay, I, I thought you it. said you've read it i don't oh, think i have no because i i couldn't remember when i was looking up dark places i i couldn't remember if it was sharp objects or dark, dark places because the the titles are so similar they're like two word you know quick. yeah so i couldn't remember which one i had read when i read mm-hmm. the synopsis of sharp objects i it wasn't ringing a bell to me so i don't think i've read that one Gotcha. Well, I then I don't want to let much of it away or let much of it go, but um, the it just has elements of like mommy dearest type things, and it's mm-hmm. yeah. It I I just remember it was disturbing, and I was like, okay, I'm done with this genre for a while because <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the third one that I read, mm-hmm. and they just got. I started with Gone Girl, then read dark places and then sharp objects and they just continued to get more and more twisted and as they went so I was like okay I need a break um (laughs) another book that kind of stuck out to me um as a book that I remember scaring me was The Lovely Bones by Alice Sebold Mm -hmm. um it's a good yeah I read it as a freshman in high school and I think so it's about Uh, if you're not familiar with the story it's the main character in the very first chapter gets kidnapped raped and murdered and so scary all in the first chapter and ironically that wasn't the part that scared me really that was the part (laughs) that I was like I don't know if I can keep going with this (laughs) and I think it might be because I was a freshman in high school and like I didn't I hadn't quite developed to the point where I realized that that was something that could actually happen to me Mm. you know like Mm -hmm. I hadn't connected that because like the rest of the book so she like I said she's murdered in the first chapter the rest of the book is from her perspective but she's a ghost she's a spirit who has crossed over and the part that I remember and I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking (laughs) about it so maybe this would be the part that would scare me again anyway. But the part that I remember scaring the bejesus out of me was like when she was crossing over from the living world to the other side, there's like this image of her as a spirit, like sprinting, just sprinting across the town or something. And one person who she went to school with, one girl somehow saw her because I don't know if she like ran through her or what but for the rest of the book they have this connection where um, the main character is able to enter into that girl's body and have some experiences kind of like she's possessing her but it's not like that part isn't meant to be scared but just that image I pictured myself just walking down the street and all of a sudden (laughs) a ghost is sprinting at me and like that was the part that 
stuck with me as really being scary. Um, so again, maybe because I was 14 and didn't, you know, I felt invincible and thought I like ghosts tend to scare me more than like real stuff that could actually happen. Mm -hmm. That has kind of shifted now. Ghosts still scare me, but also things that could actually happen scare me. So really I've just turned into more of a scaredy cat. Yay for being an adult and recognizing (laughs) your mortality. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Another book that stood out as I remember a specific like section of it being really scary to me was the graveyard book. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was just going to bring that up. Like that beginning part mm-hmm. is like, is this, am I, is this a kid's yeah. book? <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> it really, it really isn't. Definitely not the first it's chapter like, anyway. Legit. Like, uh, yeah. and like, I just, yeah. Oh no, go for go it. Ahead, you sorry. I d- didn't mean to no, hijack. Okay, go for it. It's just like, again, just kind of the same way that the Lovely Bones, the beginning scared me like this, the beginning of the graveyard book was like, because it's like something that could actually happen. And it's in the, that's the first chapter. So I feel like we can kind of tell our audience like what it's the It starts on the first page. I mean, Dark Places starts similarly too. It's kind of similar to that as well. Mm -hmm. Who wants to do it? Uh, I'll do it since I, I'm the one that was talking about it. So the in the first chapter, and you guys can kind of fill in any holes that I miss, but in the first chapter, it's basically you're following a guy who has broken into the home of a family who goes room by room and just murders the people inside them, but quietly so that the people in the next room sleeping don't hear. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it's, Yeah. Anyway, and then the only um, person that survives is like is, and this isn't really giving it away either. I think you would read this on the back of the book. Is the mm-hmm. um, the main character, and he's isn't he an infant? Yeah, like he's an happens? infant. Mm-hmm. He escapes his crib, Tommy Pickles style, and kind of <laughs> yeah. crawls away out the front door. I love the that murder. <laughs> the murderer left the front door open, so the the baby crawls out the door and escapes. Yeah. And then gets raised by ghosts. And gets graveyard. raised by ghosts. So yeah, it's supposed so that... to be like a play on yeah. um, the, jungle the Jungle Book. book. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which when I realized that, I was like, oh, that's yeah. yeah, cool. it is really cool. Um, okay, and then the last thing that I have on my list is just the Goosebumps books in general. Not all of them, but the ones that I, the one in particular, and I can't remember the title, maybe Julia remember, but I believe we actually have this one. I can just picture, I think it was like, I could never even read that one (laughs) because I was so scared of the dummy on the cover. This one. Slappy. Slappy scared you. That was the scariest one to me. He's, I, there, no, there's one that scared me. Um, the, but of, it wasn't that one. Of the books that scared me, because like all of the shows scared me. Every single last one of them. But of the books that scared me was, um, I can't remember the title, but I remember, I think the cover was kind of purplish and it had a picture of a ghost who looked like. This is, yeah. Okay. This is the one that scared me. The headless headless ghost. ghost. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I read that one. Either that or just the cover stuck with me as being really scary. 
Um, but yeah, those are those are my picks. Good ones. On our first episode, we talked about the book Gwenna, um, and we all actually ended up rereading it within the last couple weeks. So we're gonna talk about that. Does anybody have anything they want to start with? If not, I do. I think you should start. I'm really interested to hear what you guys thought. It was one of the books that I talked about being something that was really formative for me as a young reader. So I, this was a reread for me, but it's the first time you guys have experienced it. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Sure. Um, so it's definitely like fairy tale genre, right? Where it's mm-hmm. just that type of world and there, the rules seem to be different. Um, but I was kind of struck with a thought because there's a, a, a moment well not a moment there's a part essentially the main character Gwenna is given to her parents by uh the mother of owls is that what she was called the the owl witch I don't know mother of owls yeah mother of owls given to her parents by the mother of owls and she starts as she's getting older like when she's six or seven I don't know she starts growing these wings and when they get big enough that her mom can't just cover them up with her dress her mom starts to bind them Mm -hmm. and I was really upset with that and it kind of it -hmm. made me think like it kind of parallels to me the and I am not an expert on this this is something I just started kind of learning about through some people that I follow on Instagram but it kind of made me think that it, it parallels the way people with disabilities get treated by the outside world because Mm -hmm. they're expected to account like they're expected to change themselves to try to fit into the world rather than the world changing to accommodate them um like and typically children with disabilities tend to get isolated especially when they're in school um and that's something that ended up happening to Gwenna like once they noticed that Um, I don't actually remember why specifically they stopped hanging out with her because she was having her wings bound and so they couldn't really tell. Maybe she just started acting. They could. No, they could tell because she looked like she had a hunchback. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that was kind of interesting and an interesting message that like rather than trying to change Gwenna to fit in with the people around her like her the thing that made her different actually was a great gift because she could fly and she had like her wings were beautiful once she was able to let them out you know Um, so that was just something that kind of struck me as something that could be kind of relevant to today yeah I on the reread that that was something for me too I I didn't remember feeling sad I mean I don't don't remember if I had a thought about it when I was a kid but it definitely is something that that upset me and throughout reading this book I I kept trying to figure out you know what is what are some of these what is some of the symbolism trying to say Um, what is she making commentary on something in particular and I, I think that's a really interesting parallel to draw I don't know that that was the author's intent but um it's definitely definitely relevant to today yeah uh I totally agree and that was one of the main things that stuck out to me too when they started binding 
her wings. I was like, mm, maybe just take her back to the mother of <laughs> yeah, like you right? said. <laughs> well, that's what you know spurs the whole thing in motion, and you know they mm-hmm. they they get their they get their comeuppance for not doing what they were supposed to do. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of sad things that happen in this amidst a lot of um, beauty and. Um, you know, just it's very ethereal to me. The story is mm-hmm. kind of the word I would use mm-hmm. to describe it. Um, what else? What other thoughts did you guys have about it? I also kind of it's still related, but um, I was kind of wondering, like, what was the whole purpose of Grandmother Al wanting the parents to bring Gwena back at twelve years old? Like, why was that conflict created? I realized there wouldn't have been a story otherwise, but like. In the end, once the parents, you know, see Gwenna and Grandmother Al together, they're just both kind of like, hey, hi, how you doing? Everything's good now. Like, there was no actual resolution there, I felt like. You know what I mean? Like, what was the, what do you guys think was the purpose? Yeah, the, I feel like the parents just get, like, mm-hmm. frozen. Yeah, they're turned And to then stand. just show up at the end. I was like, I, I kind of felt the same way. Like, it wasn't a totally... It wasn't really developed. It wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Which I think Um, is kind of common with fairy tales. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, as far as the why, why bring her back at 12? I think I think that had something to do with, um, you know, in terms of why that age or why that that period of time. One of the things that that I, you know, kept trying to figure out what is the what is the message here was that that recurring theme of as above so below like that kept coming up over and over and over again um that statement and that that um you know basically you know across throughout different points in the story that that little like mantra or or theme would come up um i looked it up a few times and i still didn't really understand (laughs) what it meant um but it's it's um to me I kind of took it as almost like it's like the circle of life like things that are that are going on above are because of things going down below like you think about the tree in the story and her root system is um so vast and and there's a lot going on below the surface that even when they cut the tree down she comes up somewhere else um and you know her Mm -hmm. her sacrifice of of her body is used for for something else that it's like all interconnected um and i thought that um the mother of owls wanted Gwyneth to come back at 12 because that's kind of that's kind of the start for for girls most of the time of puberty and like coming Mm -hmm. into womanhood and my the what i what i gathered from this was that she's kind of grooming her to become the next mother of owls and like that was the the first step in Mm -hmm. in her you know being ready to start that that training and and getting that experience um because the the mother of owls is you know she's a very very old being and to me i and i don't think they ever explicitly say this but i i just assumed that at some point gwenna is going to become the the mother of owls at some point so that was that, that was what I took from me it. too yeah I had a question about the the mother of owls so they always described her as wearing a shawl of white feathers do we think it was actually a shawl or going along with what Katie was saying that she's grooming Gwena to take over 
that at one point they were actually real wings that she could use to fly. That was what I thought, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was what I thought. Like, this is just one one version of this story that, to, to me, it felt, like, really old and something that had been going on you know, since creation and that the, mm-hmm. the things, you know, just kind of keep cycling this way. Um, and even though they don't, they don't say that, that's, that's kind of what I took from it. And I think that's, what's kind of interesting about the story. There's, there's so much that, you know, they kind of hint at, but they don't spell it out to say like, this is what this means. And it's kind of goes back to what we talked about with the, you know, the, the horror genre where, leaving so much to the imagination allows the story to go in so many different directions, depending on who's reading it and who's, who's perceiving it, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. I enjoyed it when I read it. Mm Um, I don't, I would wonder like if I were to have kids and like, I would wonder what age I would want to read it to them. That's a good, cause I wrote that down in my notes too. I think it would be a, a wonderful book to kind of read and experience with, with a child and kind of ask them because I think children would have a really interesting perspective on you know just having a conversation about about it with them and asking them because they'll they'll inevitably have questions and if I had a kid that asked me a question like well what does this mean I would say well I want to know what you think it means because I think that I would learn a lot just from that (laughs) how about you Julia did you have any other thoughts about it as you were reading through it that you wanted to share um well with the tree that whole thing just kind of reminded me of like the giving tree by Shel Silverstein. Like it just, the tree just gave everything it could to help yeah. Gwenna finish her task. Yeah, to give her a harp. Well, I've got to say you guys, I really awesome. enjoyed um, talking about Gwenna with you. I think we should do some more rereads together. Maybe one of you two can pick the next one that you think the two of the two of us should read um, that we haven't experienced before i think that was a kind of a cool little segment yeah i agree we'll think about it we'll think about it all right all right well if we don't have anything else to share thank you guys so much for listening remember to read share and repeat bye bye and do it all over again and do it all over again (laughs) That brings us to a close on this chapter of Sibling Library. Thank you for listening. Until next time, let's read, share, and repeat.